Hello, hello. <laughs> this is the way it's going to be. It's going to be short, brief, and powerful. It will be. Destroy hell. Who? You. You do it. Whoever just said that, you do it. That's your job. Can I, if you're new, can I just bless you right now? I mean, like, if you, if, even if this is, like, something that you've been around, but, man, the environment like this has got to be new, right? I mean, it's new for us. I mean, who, who wants to get used to, the, to stuff like this? All right. Um, we will have a legal meeting. Just give me a moment. Everything got lost in the midst of all that. I don't know where I am right now. We will go there, though. Jesus. Bill Johnson has this, you know, saying, um, one of the side effects of losing intimacy with God is that at some point we start doing ministry out of uh, we stop doing ministry out of imagination. We start doing ministry out of memory. One of the side effects of losing intimacy with God is that at some point we stop doing ministry out of imagination and we begin doing it out of memory. And, uh, you know, of course that's like super applicable to someone who's, you know, in the ministry, like on, on staff at a church like this and stuff. But I, I want to kind of expand that out to, you know, one of the side effects of losing intimacy with God is that at some point we stop doing life out of imagination and we start doing life out of memory. We're going to open our Bibles uh, to, jo- uh, to John 15. So go ahead and go there. That'll give me time. You guys can do something. We're going to read a little bit in John 15, and I'm just going to give you guys a a short, brief, and powerful word today, okay? Tonight, we have uh, CSSM uh, going after identity, so we're going to have lots of cool stuff and exercises and teaching and activations there. So if you want more of, like, the teaching thing, just come tonight to CSSM. Um, All right. Are you, guys okay? Are you guys okay with my pace right now? Okay. Because <laughs> this is it. <laughs> this is like top gear right now. All right. John 15. I am the one. John 15, one. We're going to read. We're just going to read about 17 verses and possibly close in prayer. Okay. <laughs> John 15, one. I think we have it on the screen too. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it be more fruitful. Let me read what you guys are reading. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Everyone say much fruit. (laughs) Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Everyone say boo. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, to love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. If you are my, fr- you are my friends, if you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last, and so that, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. I mean, that's like, that's like the whole entire heart of the kingdom right there. I mean, that's like the whole entire gospel, is remain in me, and I'll remain in you. And I just want to talk really briefly about, about obedience. You know, obedience is a really big deal. Obedience is a super, super big deal. Obedience is something that uh, you can't move forward. You can't even remain in him unless there's obedience. Obedience is something that is going to come in different requests, forms, shapes, <laughs> How many of you found that God might ask you to do things? He might, requ- he might require or request something of you that wasn't on your radar. How about being a pastor? That obedience, that obedience, obedience has to look like something. Like, obedience looks like something. But, you know, we, we tend to hear that word obedience and it feels like lists, rules, and maybe a taskmaster feel. So who can relate to that? Like when you hear obedience, it's like, oh, I thought we were like talking about the joy, honey cloud, glory. And now we're talking about obedience? <laughs> right? I mean, sometimes that's what we think. We're like, oh, it's not just about joy. I have to like, there's a list still. And like, like what I want to break today is that mentality. The separation of obedience with joy. The, separating, the, the separation of obedience with love. That, that if it feels like it's a list of things to do, if it feels like obedience is, like, is just the worst thing that could happen to you that day, is that God would ask you to do something or like obey you know, something. Or, you know, if that's the case, then, then somewhere along the way, you drifted away from the vine that you, you, you're not remaining in him anymore. Because, because when people you love ask you to do something, it's like a joy to do. If, someone say, if a friend of mine says, hey, Sean, can you, 
uh, can you come over here and show me how to do this? Or, hey, would you mind um, stopping by my house later today? I'm like, yeah, come on. What, do you, what can I do for you? Right? That, that's, that's a little bit of the heart. And so what, what happens is this. Is there, there's, this, there's, this, there's a lot in the scripture, so I'm not going to unpack all of it. But what I do want to say is this, is that there's a remaining and an abiding in the presence of the Lord, in him, right, that's required to obey. And obedience actually releases joy in our life. That obedience, it releases joy. You know, obedience, obedience will behead the enemy in your life. Obedience dethrones evil. So obedience, there takes something, there just takes something of humility to obey, right? Like, they're, 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 something is required that looks humble to obey. There's this willingness to step into a place of humility to obey. And here's the thing, man. When you're obeying God, it's like you don't have to tell everyone you're obeying God. Just go and obey him, Right? You don't have to, like, go on Facebook and, and let everyone know how well you're obeying God. I mean, you can. I'm not, like, saying that. I'm just saying that, like, that's not. You don't have to broadcast. You will, your life will be broadcast more by obeying God than you broadcasting your life. The anointing on your life will be released further by you obeying God than it will by you proclaiming it to every person you see. Does that make sense? Like, you don't have to go to everyone and tell them every prophetic word you're hearing. You don't have to go to, you don't have to promote yourself into a place of influence. And, okay, so do you guys want to hear a dream? I've never shared this publicly. Of course you want to hear it now. So I remember, I remember, you know, I remember obedience looking like, obedience usually looks like a promised land you've never walked in yet. Right? Obedience looks like a place you've never, you've never fully walked. And it can be obedience that day. It could be a, a, a word about your life obedience. It just makes sense. Like, it could be a macro obedience. It could be a micro obedience. But obedience is actually, there, something's required of you to step into a place you've never been. So years ago, when I, was, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't a part of Zion, and uh, I was part of a different church and different ministry, and um, I, a lot was going on, like a lot of really good things, and um, I had some opportunities to go on staff and, you know, kind of walk down a, a, a life of being a pastor, you know, with, a, with another church and some really cool things. I mean, it's like, you know, God called me to the ministry in 2006 in the middle of the bush in Africa. I'll tell you that another time. I'll tell you it tonight. If you come tonight, I'll tell you that story. But, but so for me, it was uh, I waited for years before the Lord, before I stepped into a place of uh, being a full-time pastor. And um, in 2010... Uh, the Lord started to speak to me about the time is coming for I'm, I'm gonna you're you're about to step into something, and that's a good word, right? It's like you always want to hear that word. It's a great corporate word, but for me, it was like that was the what the Lord was talking to me about. And if you know Jesus enough, that should make you scared, not fearful, scared. It's a totally different thing. Like Jesus makes me nervous almost every day. He talks to me. He makes me nervous. And, and, and when he says something's coming up right now, I know Jesus doesn't do things small. He doesn't do things minor. He doesn't do things in part. 
He only does it to the max. Jesus doesn't change your life a little bit. He's trying to make you like him. And so, so I knew something was coming up. And so uh, over the course of a couple different situations, um, I was in a position where for the first time in a number of years, uh, I wasn't leading anything where I was. It was just like almost like, almost like a halftime of ministry, if that makes sense. And like all of a sudden, I wasn't leading a thing. And I was like, how is this possible? This feels amazing for some reason, but how is this possible? And, and it, during that time, the Lord started to really speak to me about it. And so... Um, uh, I went out to, in January 2010, I went out to Bethel School uh, of Healing and Impartation with Bill Johnson and Randy Clark, and just had an amazing, amazing time there. You know, an impartation, you know what you have when you go through impartation, like months and weeks later. You don't get it that day. You, like, that makes sense? Like, you get it that day, but you don't get it that day. You get it later. You get, you get to see it released later. And so I was there, and, and um, I felt like God really began to really bring me into a laser-like focus with where he wanted to go, but I didn't know where it was. I just knew he wanted to do something. So I came here to Zion shortly thereafter. Actually, I think just before then, like late 2009, and uh, for a guest speaker who I don't even remember who it was. I have no idea who it was. But I remember coming here because I really liked whoever that person was. I still don't know who it was. And, uh, and, and, and I met Jim and Mary. And when I met Jim and Mary, uh, I was really taken back by Jim. And he, uh, he, like, came up and said hi to me. I mean, he's never met me before in my life. And he came over and just, like, greeted himself. And he's like, hey, you know what's going on? He started talking to me. You know, Jim has the ability to make you feel like you're really the only person in the room, you know, when, you're, when, when he's talking with you. And so, so you know, so I, I just had a really great conversation with him. And, and uh, I went home that night, and I began to pray. And I was just like, God, that was really cool. You know, and it wasn't on my radar at all to leave my church. You have to understand, when God said he's going to do something different, I didn't think it was going to be leaving the church I was at. I didn't think that. That wasn't what was on my radar. And that night, I had a dream. And in that dream, uh, I was at a Zion worship service. And this is the part I've never told anyone is I, we were in Zion worship service, much like today, you know, just like whatever that was. I mean, just crazy, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and the Lord was there, and then uh, uh, Jim got up on stage, on this stage, and uh, he, he began to announce a few names, and I knew the names of some of the people, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, okay, I didn't know they were around here. Like, you know, and sometimes I didn't know the person. I didn't know the person during the time of the dream, but I now know that person, but in the dream, I knew that person. Does that make sense? Like, God, God will give you stuff like that in dreams, the relationship, the key's outside of time, so he'll actually drop someone in your dreams who you're not even friends with that you will be at a later point in time, but it feels like you're friends in the dream. So I knew, that, I knew these people who I didn't really know, and, uh, and, then, and then Jim uh, 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 called me out and had me come up and stand next to him on stage. And just, and just let me stand there the whole time he was speaking. And in, in your dreams, obviously that would be awkward if it was real life. But, but dreams, dreams like it wasn't awkward at all. And he sat, and he sat back down. Or, and then I sat back down later. And I woke up and I was like, huh. I was like, God, are you, calling me to, are you calling me to Zion? Are you calling me on staff to be with Jim? I've never told Jim this dream. <laughs> yeah, now he knows if he watches. To this day, I've never told, I never told Jim that dream, that he was going to call me out. He was going to have me come stand next to him. Why? Because you can, if God is speaking something to you, you just begin to set your course for obedience. You don't have to go and tell everyone about it. Does this make sense? 
And the people who actually just steward the things that God is speaking to them and walk through it, yeah, sometimes you share something, but sometimes you don't. This isn't to say, like, be closed off to the world and, and close off your prophetic words. All the prophetic people, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I am saying, though, is the ability to carry a promise to position yourself for obedience. You know, and I had, I had, I had a, a couple more dreams. I was like, God, like, you know, it should be hard to leave church. Like, if you ever leave this church, it should be a hard decision, right? Like, like that means that it's probably healthy for you to be in that environment. Like, it was healthy for you to be around here. So if God ever calls you to, like, do your own ministry, like, we love sending people out. So, but it should be hard. It should be a hard decision, right? Because it takes time to make family, and it should be hard to leave family, and, and, and during that time, uh, I, had this, I had another dream. And in the dream, the Lord told me, he goes, all right, now I want you to go, and I'm ready for you to go and be part of Zion. Now, at this point in time, I wasn't telling a soul anything. I was just, I was just a person coming to church, you know. And, and, and the Lord said, I want you to choose. You can choose six days, six weeks, or six months. Some of you are like, six, six, six. I'm like, I promise it was God, okay? <laughs> six days, six weeks, or six months to transition, he said, you can do it in six days, six weeks, or in six months, but I want you to choose. So I was like, all right, you know, well, I, I want to I do six months. I want to do it. I want to go low and slow. I want to, like, I want to, I want to, like, talk to my current leaders, and I want to, like, set things up for success with the things I was leading. Does this make sense? And so I began to set a course of a plan of, like, six months to fully be, like, transitioned and, and to obey that word. Uh, coming... Like, I'm stepping into an environment of this. This is crazy, right? Like, that's why I'm just blessed if you're new. Like, I bless you because I've been there. And, and, and when you step into something you don't know, it actually requires obedience, that requires trust, that requires intimacy. Am I, am I connecting with you guys at all? Okay, so let's just kind of round third here. Um, you know, you know when, when you hear, like, when you hear, when you hear about obedience, you know, it can be a list of things to do. It can be a, a taskmaster sort of, sort of approach if you're, if you're coming through, for, through the lenses of, of, of slavery, if you're coming through the lenses of just servanthood and not through the lenses of what Jesus gives us in this promotion of actually being a friend, what we call, like, sonship. You know, slaves will obey out of fear where sons will obey from love. And to have that willing heart to move into that place of friendship with Jesus makes obedience a totally different ballgame. It makes it totally different. You know, your obedience, radical obedience, is fueled by radical love. Radical obedience to Jesus is fueled by your radical love with him. Meaning this, I know I'm talking about the same things here over and over again, but here's where I want to go, is that Jesus is our model, right? He's our perfect example of obedience. In John 14, 10 through 11, he, 10 through 14, he talks about how he only does what he sees the Father doing, that he is a perfect representation. He's the exact image, mirror of the Father. Yes? And it's because he remains in him. You know what obedience looks like? It looks like you remaining in Jesus, loving on Jesus, being close to Jesus, and doing what you see him doing, just like he did what he saw the Father doing. That's what obedience is. It's not, Lord, give me a list of things I don't want to do today. 
I mean, Jesus has no problem giving me something that he wants me to do that I don't want to do, okay? So let's just say that. But, but the thing is this. In, out of intimacy, obedience comes. It's when, if obedience doesn't feel intimate, get intimate with the Lord. If obedience doesn't feel intimate, if it doesn't feel like, like this, like, like I'm only doing what I see Jesus doing, that is what obedience looks like for us. That I'm only doing what I see Jesus doing. So that means you have permission to just get undone in love. You have permission to get undone in joy. You have permission to get undone in the presence of the Lord. Because it's out of that place that actually obedience comes. Am I connecting to anyone in the room? That it's not a laundry list of things to do. It's actually the the delight of the Father to show you exactly what it was like to be Jesus. And Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. Obedience beheads fear. Obedience dethrones darkness. And simple obedience releases the kingdom. How many of you know, like, like every situation, like, like you're not going to find many situations or circumstances that look like the kingdom of God on earth. If you're waiting for that, you're just going to be prophesying dry bones all the time. Right? Here, here's the situation, is that every situation and circumstance is prime for an invasion of the kingdom of God. But I see so many people, you know, going and, 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 and just talking about, oh, how this so-and-so isn't, like, you're not, like, connected to God enough, and you're not, like, no, duh, because the kingdom needs to invade through you. Like a circumstance, a business, a relationship, a family member, a loved one, right? A friend, or maybe those people that aren't your friends, but you're, you tell them what to do as though they are your friend. And you do it through social media. Woo, I'm starting to talk to some of you. Is it, is it this? Is that there are no perfect circumstances. There's just ones that you will have faith for the kingdom of God to invade or not. That, that's it. And out of intimacy with him, we get to release the kingdom of God. And we get to dethrone Satan. We get to to behead darkness through obedience. Every circumstance is an invitation for the kingdom. Jesus came and said the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. That means your family, the kingdom of God is near. That means your finances, the kingdom of God. Oh, that one's far away. No, it's near. Your business, your work, your career, your life, your future, your purpose, your destiny, the kingdom of God is near to those things. And because the Spirit of God lives in you, you get to recognize his presence and his movement in circumstances and situations and how he wants to invade. Am I speaking to anyone here? You know, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing as you just simply obey how God begins to invade. How God begins to invade. All right. So let me ask you this. So we're going to talk a lot more about this here at CSSM, actually. Um, But friendship with God. So he promotes you from a servant to a friend. And then he says, ask in my name that your joy may be complete. So that promotion from servant to friend, 
you know, friends have influence on each other, right? Like, friends, friends influence each other. How great of a promotion is it that you have been given an influence with God, that you get to influence him? That I think sometimes that, that'll change everything from I'm looking for the will of God, I'm looking to pray the will of God, to I'm going to co-create the will of God with him. Some of you are like, that sounds not biblical. <laughs> Moses, when he was on the mountain, and he gets, the, he gets the tablets written by the finger of God. It's one of my favorite stories because the people made a golden calf. Did you know they didn't even make a golden calf? Did you know that? Did you know they actually just gathered up gold and it came out as a calf? Meaning what? They were looking to see what the demon was that they wanted to worship, and he came out as a calf. They didn't, like, go to craft it. Mean, Never mind. Okay, I can't. It's a totally different teaching. But they, they came down, and they disobeyed. You guys remember this. And I'm in Exodus 32, 33. Moses is up there, 40 days, 40 nights. He comes down. The, the, the tablet's written by the very finger of God, which, like, ah, oh, how many of you just wanted to see the finger of God? He crushed them because of their disobedience. Actually, he smashed them on the ground. He says he grinded it up. Then he put it in the water and made them drink it. That was the golden calf. He crushed up that idol, and, they, and he scattered the stones, and they weren't able to see the stones. And then what does it say in Deuteronomy 9, th- verse 14? Moses is recalling this, and he tells everyone, he's like, listen, God told me, Moses, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to kill them. Well, I'm, just, I'm done with them, but I'm going to make you a nation. You're going to be greater than, than, any of them, than any of them are, than any of them has ever been. Deuteronomy 9, 14. And what does Moses say? Moses is like, oh, no, 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 God, that would be a bad idea. Because then people would think you brought us out of Egypt just to kill us. But that's not what you're like. You brought us out of Egypt because of your plans, your purposes, and your promises. And then God relented. That's a better idea, Moses. He says the same thing about Aaron. Aaron, who was in charge of everyone with the whole golden calf idolatry situation, says God was going to kill Aaron. And Moses is like, no, 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 no. You don't want to do that because Aaron is your priest. And if you do that, it's going to look like, you're going to look like the other gods who kill their priests. But that's not the kind of God you are. And God was like, you're right. So he relented. How many of you know, like you have influence on what God wants to do as a friend? So sometimes we're waiting for like, how do I pray? And God just saying, how do I move? God's saying, how do I move? How do I invade this situation, Sean? How do I move? So obedience actually looks like beginning to co-create with God. To beginning to actually releasing, you know, what he wants to do because you know his ways but also what he's going to do because you have access and influence with him. So that's why Jesus says, I'm, I am, we're sliding into home right now. That's why Jesus says, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. Whoa, Jesus, aren't you supposed to tell us what to pray for? No, 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 ask anything in my name and I'll do it. Meaning what? There are things that I want to do on this planet that can only come from you. 
that can only come from your heart, that can only come from the dreams that you have. Nathan the prophet will go up to David and be like, do whatever is in your heart to do. Do it. So what I want to just release over us this morning is that freedom to radical obedience looks just like radical love with Jesus. It looks like being so close to him and abiding in him that you begin to do what you see him doing, and he calls that obedience. It's going to look like for you just doing life with Jesus. It's going to look like for you hearing from him and responding to him. It's going to look like from you trusting that, that the things that you're sensing and hearing, the direction he's leading in, he is going to meet you in those places. But that your radical love will fuel radical obedience. Oswald Chambers says, Faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one that is leading. So just put your hand on your heart right now. Holy Spirit, I just thank you, Lord, that you are the one who loves us and who leads us, God. Holy Spirit, right now, Lord, I just pray, Lord, if there's any level, um, just where, where servanthood is larger than sonship, Lord, right now, would you just turn that balance? Would you, would you rebalance that equation, God? Lord, would you, would you, would you, I just release a holy indignation on you, like an unsettling for the kingdom of God to advance, that you will not settle until the the kingdom of God is advancing around you, and it's going to advance through your influence with God, that you have a captive audience in the throne room waiting to hear you, and that your eyes to see what Jesus is doing, your eyes to see the love that he has for you will draw you in to all the obedience that he would have for you. And it says, count it all joy. So we just release, Father, that there is a joy waiting for us, God. That there is a joy waiting for us, Lord. As we love you, Jesus, as we just begin to do what you're doing, God, you call it radical obedience. So Holy Spirit, right now, any place that we have resisted obedience or, God, if we just need to get grafted back in, if we just need another intimate touch from you, God, Lord, would you just release that in our lives, Holy Spirit? I just feel like some of you in the room, you just need a fresh touch from the Lord, and that's, a, that's an okay thing. That's an okay thing. You'll learn how to be a touch from the Lord, but you first, you have to have touches. You have to have his hand on your heart. And so right now, yeah, I just release that over your life, just that breakthrough touch of the Lord on you. That you can do more out of intimacy than you can ever do out of your own planning. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. We bless your name, God. I just want to give an opportunity. If you're here this morning and you're disconnected from Jesus, if this is something that, you know, you've never, um, or maybe you have in the past, but you just want to rededicate your life to Jesus or that you want to do that today, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond right now. You know, how many of you remember, you know, just this nudging of Jesus on your heart, Right? When Jesus first calls you, you know, it's this nudging. It's this, like, you just get really sweaty around Christians. Your, like, heart beats really fast, right? The presence of the Lord seems really different to you than it did in the past or maybe just challenging for the first time. You know, I remember when I first got saved, I was in the back of a church, 
And uh, I, the Holy Spirit, like I would recognize his presence and I didn't understand any of it. And I wanted to run out of the church or just break down and cry and I did not know why. You know, but there's this pursuit that heaven has over you. So if you're here today and you just wanna, you wanna give your life to Jesus, can you just raise your hand right now? We just wanna celebrate that with you. If that's you, we just wanna celebrate your decision. And, and uh, you know, if you feel like, man, I just wanna rededicate, I, I wanna go to that intimate place with him where obedience looks like just doing what he's doing. If any of you just feel like, man, I wanna rededicate my life to the Lord right now and I wanna give him all of my heart and give him all of my stuff, just raise your hand right now. I just wanna take a moment and see if there's anyone in the room Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone else in the room that you say, hey, today is the day where I am just putting my foot down and I'm not going to go one more day without his presence? If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand right now. Wait another moment here. Is there anyone in the room, your heart's kind of pounding, you're thinking, what would other people think? Who gives a rip what other people think? This is between you and Jesus. All right. So I saw you. who raised your hand. So why don't, why don't we just, Holy Spirit, if that's you right now, maybe some of you didn't, maybe some of you really want to do this, but you didn't raise your hand or you didn't respond. I want you to just pray this with me, okay? Holy Spirit, I just give you all of me. And I welcome you, Jesus, into my heart. I welcome you, God, into my situation and circumstances. And God, I thank you for wiping me clean today. I receive your work at the cross today, Jesus. I receive your power of your spirit over my life, Lord. And I say, make me new today. And I give you all of my heart, God, from my head to my toes, Lord, all of me today. I give myself back to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so praise the Lord. So um, what we'll have is I'm going to just invite our our ministry teams to come up. Thanks, guys, for entertaining me for about 20 minutes up here. I'm going to have our ministry teams come forward. If you need healing in your body today, if you need a word from the Lord, um, if you feel like, man, it's been a long time since I've been encouraged by who I am and by what God thinks about me, our teams up here will give you a prophetic word, and I would love to be able to uh, to just bless where you're at. And if you said that prayer with us today, uh, kind of giving your life to the Lord, rededicating, just come on up. Just let our teams pray for you, bless you. And uh, we'd love to just, to just lay hands on you and bless that decision of your life. So, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for joy. How many of you know what you freely receive, now you got to go freely give? So, Lord, we just release that power over us, God. Thank you that what we freely receive, we freely give, Lord, in Jesus' name. Bless you guys. Pastor Jim will be here next week to clean up the mess.